All right, Heather. You, yes. You don't get to pick shit. We just got a bunch of news. There's just so much okay. news to cover. Um, we have just the tiniest bit of this week in Yay News. Um, he was on a podcast and he said him loving Hitler probably increases his chances of winning a presidential election in 2024 when he runs for president. Oh. Cool story. Okay. Yeah. Neat. It's pretty neat. <laughs> wow. He's like just severely unhinged at this point. Yay is something. Um, this week in our Kelly news, <laughs> somehow from A new segment, federal prison, he released some songs or album or something like that called like, I admit it. And it got released. And then people were like, really Spotify and other streaming platforms. You're really putting out R Kelly shit right now. And then they went, oh, I guess that does make us look bad. And everyone pulled it. <laughs> um, but it does have lyrics in the regard of like, uh, do you do, do you know the definition of sex slave? Because if you look it up in the dictionary, that's not what I did. Um, oh, yeah. No, the line is like, do you, uh, do you know the definition of a cult? Do you know the de definition of a sex slave? If you look it up in the dictionary, that's not what I did. Something like that. It's very much done in the same style as uh, like trapped in the closet. So there's not really a rhyming scheme. It's just him kind of sing talking a narrative. Um, I've only heard like just a couple of tiny clips of it. There was that one. And then there was one that said uh, like, I like the ladies. I like young ladies but somehow that makes me a pedophile or something like that. And yeah, it's like, I heard that clip. Uh, well, if you're, if you're targeting, you know, women or, you know, people underage, then yeah, it kind of does. So yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, that's the definition. So that's just a thing. Like I, I, I don't want to hear anybody talk ever about how they don't think humanity in this world sucks. Like Nazis are making a comeback. People think the earth is flat. Convicted sex traffickers are just releasing albums while they're in prison. I mean, what the fuck is going on with humanity? Just what the fuck is going on? It's pretty bad. Wow. Just wow. That's all I got. Well, I settled that because I actually have a really nice thing about humanity. Uh, we have, for the first time in human history, actually done a very, very small scale fusion reaction. Cold fusion reaction. Um, so theoretically, mm. the, the I'm not going to go deep into what cold fusion is and all this other stuff. Fusion is what powers the sun. So it's reactions that cause reactions that cause reactions. And they just, you know, it creates energy. Um, 
and it's fairly self-sustaining as long as it has just a fuel source. It's very clean energy, all that stuff. Uh, and then where you get into cold fusion is it's cold, relatively speaking. As in, it's not the same as a star. We're doing the same thing stars do, not at the temperature at which stars do it. Therefore, it's cold. You know, if you're doing it on a massive scale, it would still incinerate you. But it's not star incinerate you. Um, it's always been theoretically possible. The problem is, is to start the reaction, they've had to like use lasers to start the reaction. And the amount of energy they used to do the lasers was always more than the amount of energy caused by the reaction. So you're not actually getting any benefit from the reaction because you're using more energy than you were getting out of it. For the first time ever, they actually got more out of the reaction than we did putting into it. So, like, we are literally, hmm. as of, like, the last couple of days, literally one step closer to Star Trek. And that's fantastic. <laughs> so That's actually pretty cool. You know, you have all this crazy shit going, and yet somehow humans do something slightly cool this week. I mean, for me, it's super exciting because... This working model has been around for the last few years, but they actually had to, like, it was a theoretical working model, and they actually did it. Now, it only lasted for one one trillionth of a second, but in one one trillionth of a second, it produced more energy than, like, a stupid amount of the world's strongest lasers used all at once. So that's really kind of cool. So... I know that's not movie related or anything else like that, other than the fact that I tangentially connect it to Star Trek. But then at the same time, Still you know, cool. the U.S. government is the one funding this, so it also might lead to Star Wars and to Death and the Death Star. I don't know, but either way, it leads to cool sci-fi shit. So I'm slightly stoked by that. Also, um. Theoretically, right now, there's a drug trial going on for a, a cancer medication that supposedly, I have not looked into the actual documentation of it yet, but theoretically has 100% success rate in treating colon cancer. And no cancer That's treatment cool. has ever done that. And it was doing it by itself. And... I mean, for all we know, they also could be severely tainted results. I do not know. But as of right now, based on preliminary results and some studies done on it, theoretically, we actually are also a slight step closer to curing cancer. So. Hmm. See, all this shit happens at the same time that R. Kelly is going, okay, I did it, but did I? Right. We live in just the craziest of times. You know. But those are some of the things uh, that have come out recently news-wise. Uh, as far as some of that stuff goes, I do have more news. I'm just kind of summarizing that stuff. Um, so apparently, as of today, uh, Henry Cavill's not actually coming back to play Superman. So, yeah, that's a bummer. Um, it also kind of indicates that maybe uh, 
when The Rock was saying that this is the new phase one of DC and all these other things that uh, maybe he was all wrong and DC is not doing any of that shit anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> so that is also hmm. a thing. Uh, a lot of a lot of people's stuff, they're kind of releasing it because it's been made, but they're not really going to continue it. This Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods, is probably the end of that. Uh, mm. Aquaman 2 will be the last Aquaman movie. Uh, as of right now, we're not even going to get a Wonder Woman 3. None of that stuff. The Flash, Flashpoint, is supposed to be a movie that was supposed to like reset the DCEU so they can recast some people. And they're releasing it just because they filmed it, but it's also not even really going to do that anymore. They're kind of just going to re-streamline everything because they want their, they, they kind of are finally accepting maybe we need to do the Marvel approach. They want their TV series and their, their movies and their video games and stuff like that to all be in the same universe. Instead of it being like the Arrowverse and this verse and like all over the place. They want to streamline that. They have said that the one thing that that will not affect is the Robert Pattinson Batman movies and like the Joker movie. They're kind of letting that stay separate at the moment. So. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're making some of those grand sweeping changes. And the funny thing is, is don't fret completely. Uh, just because Aquaman is ending does not actually mean that that will possibly be the last we'll see of Jason Momoa in the DCU. Because a lot of talks have come across that he might actually come back as intergalactic bounty hunter Lobo. So, if you also want to know what Lobo looks like, if you don't know and you're not familiar with the comics, uh, just think of Jason Momoa with actually, like, white skin. Like, not, like, white people white, but literal white skin. And then, like, black kind of diamondy things on his eyes. And that's Lobo. Like, if there was anybody that was actually meant to play Lobo, Nikolai, it's Jason Momoa. So, and apparently Jason Momoa is a huge fan of Lobo. Apparently he has every comic of Lobo. So, hmm. that's apparently a swing yeah. they're going to make. Well, <clears throat> he looks the okay. part, so yeah. And that 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 does kind of fit him. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. I mean, I'm I'm kind of glad because it actually sounds like they're making a plan. Like, no clue where <laughs> yeah. they're going, but they're not just like, hey, let's throw some shit together and see how it goes. So that is exciting. Uh, but in other weird Warner Brothers DC news, HBO Max is getting rid of Westworld. Like, they canceled Westworld. Okay, that happens. Shows get canceled. But, like, HBO Max, like, some of the original shows have been, like, taken off the platform and stuff like that. They've never done it with an HBO original, though. Like, the whole thought process was that 
HBO original shows would be safe because they're HBO shows. Apparently Westworld's getting pulled from the platform. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too. It's very weird to me. They'll have every episode of Arliss. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to disparage the the show Arliss. But then they won't keep Westworld? Which broke all kinds of records for them? Yeah. Just, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I say that. They're fucking all their shit up so they can streamline everything and sell themselves to someone. They're acting like a company that's trying to sell themselves again. Like Warner Brothers just got bought by Discovery and they're already trying, like now Discovery is trying to take their product, merge it with HBO, streamline that even more and sell it off again. (laughs) Just gotta love capitalism. Just so fun. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's just a very weird time with all that shit. Hello, fat boy. But no, that is all of my news for this week. Yeah, it was a busy week in news for sure. Sure was. It was. All right, so movie? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And we uh, tonight we are going to be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie. Bones and all. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in podcast and YouTube form. And with all that, starting us off spoiler-free, our resident cannibal, Jastin. (laughs) (laughs) Resident cannibal, huh? It just seemed fitting. You always want that name, you know? Yeah. Who doesn't like? I was going to say who doesn't like cannibalism, but that's probably quite a few people. That's Um, most of humanity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So weirdly enough, not the most controversial thing said, though, this episode or talked about this episode. Yeah. Weirdly enough that, that that news part, that news section news segment, if you will, was, was pretty crazy. Um, but no, when it comes to bones and all, uh, this was definitely interesting. Um, I really, when I saw the previews for this, I was intrigued by this whole concept of these people who have to, I guess, cannibalize in order to live or are sort of like, born with this need to do this. Um, 
you know, but I didn't really know from the previews what it, it, it looked like kind of a love story, but it looked sort of horrorish and it, it, it looked kind of dark and like, so, so I just kind of wondered what this was going to be. You know, I, I saw a mix of a bunch of different things and just sort of was curious about how it was going to all come together. As far as like, I saw the horror elements, the whole cannibal thing. It kind of looked like a love story to me. It kind of looked like a, um, like one of those road adventures ish sort of things. Like I got so many different vibes from the trailer for this. So I guess it all kind of, but, but it was an interesting mix. Like, Hmm, you know, you see like a, a, a mix of things that somebody is some sort of concoction. Somebody goes, look, I mix all these different ingredients together and it's a casserole now. And you kind of look at it and go, Hmm, I wonder how that tastes. I guess that's sort of how I was initially with this. Um, when I came out of it, it's it's very weird because I don't really know how many people I could recommend this to. I don't know who would actually like, it's hard to say who would actually be into this. Um, also, it's kind of like, if I say this is good, what does that say about me? You know, I don't know. I just have like all of these, there are just all these different things like, about this movie, but I guess overall, I could say like, d- despite some of the content, despite how sometimes I guess squeamish or it could be, or how like, I guess bloody it could be in a way and stuff like that. I, I guess I was kind of feeling it, man. Like I, I walked out and I was like, Okay. All right, bones and all, I ain't mad at you. Like, I guess you could say I saw the beauty in it. Like, in the, though it was under this layer of cannibalism and blood and like all of these like gray area morals and like all of this stuff. But the love story, I guess, shined through. Like w- w- even with like all the subject matter and kind of what it was about and everything like that. And you kind of have this weird juxtaposition of things. Like one thing is like detestable and then you kind of have this love story. And for some, and I don't know, even though it seems like it shouldn't work, I think it does for the most part. Um, And that's probably because of the chemistry of the leads. I thought that Timothy Chalamet, I'm, I'm I'm just guessing that that's how you pronounce that. Yes. And Taylor and Taylor Russell. Ha, I knew it. And Taylor Russell. Um, they, they were very good in this man. Like, I really thought that they had good chemistry together. I think that the love story aspect of it comes across. You see enough scenes with them um, to where it, that aspect of it made sense to me. And even, and there, but there are times though, when this movie kind of drags, but I think that they hold it together with their acting and their scenes together and everything like that. There are some times where I'm like, okay, did we need these extra scenes? Did we need, you know, sometimes I wonder about some of the scenes, like, did they really need to be there? 
the, this had some scenes definitely questioning their existence, <laughs> but overall there was something to this theme about these people who have this urge to consume and running from your past, going to your past, facing your past. Um, I guess kind of like this idea that love is the, the understanding and, and acknowledgement of all of a person and things like that. There are some themes in here that I think I appreciated and I liked kind of how um, it came across. And that's mixed with some scenes that are kind of unsettling. Like there are scenes where I was just kind of like, oh, damn, that happened or, oh, man, we're doing that. Okay, cool. All right. That's where we're going with this movie. And there are some scenes that just kind of, you know, they, they they stick out in your mind visually, not like, oh, I'm disgusted. Oh, this is so grotesque, but more like visually, they kind of stick out in your mind, visually unsettling, not so much like the gore, but it's just the story that the movie's trying to tell some of the acting that some of the actors do. Some of the characters are like hella creepy and were weird and like to the point to where, and what they do with the camera visually also visually, this was well executed. It was the right kind of camera work and the right kind of visuals to tell this story. But all of it, sometimes I think the aim of it was to create an unsettling feeling And I think I definitely felt that sometimes. And then other times it was trying to create this genuine, like heartfelt feeling. And I felt that too, when the movie was trying to get you to go that way. Um, And like I said, I think it's really just a testament to the leads. Um, So overall, yeah, this is a movie that's flawed. I can't say that it's a great movie, but I'm, but I think I'm going to side with it was a good one. I, I thought it was solid, man. Like it, it, it's got some problems, but uh, ultimately I think it was effective in its narrative and the juxtaposition of all of these unlikely things that I didn't think would go together. Like this is like that sandwich. Like somebody tells you that they eat a weird sandwich and they're like, yeah, I mix peanut butter and this, that, and the other, and mayo and all of this stuff in a sandwich. And you, at first you're like, oh, like, why would anybody eat that? And then you like try it yourself and you're like, this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. That's what this was like to me. It, it was like a mix of unlikely things, but I think it sort of tasted okay, so to speak. And I'm just going to end it with that pun, I guess. Heather. What about you? I think I definitely get what you mean, Jastin, as far as like, who do you recommend this movie to? Because um, I don't know. I think that it's, it's one of those where I don't know who the audience was for this movie. Um, I, I can't say it was specifically pointed at any specific type of audience. So it kind of just made it hard to know what it was going for in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's, I don't know. I think um, 
yeah, I, that that was kind of for me the the issue, um, one of the issues that I had. Um, I think that it's like I don't know. I also agree that the acting is definitely what carries this movie. I think the acting is superb. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is, I've, I've always kind of been a fan of him. I think he's just a really, really talented actor. Um, and he really does a good job of playing that like, um, struggling every man, not every man, but just like he, he plays these characters that are, that are always either very broken or just going through it. And he plays those characters very well. Um, and Taylor Russell, uh, the only other thing I remember seeing her in was the movie waves, which is a phenomenal movie. And she was great in the movie. Um, so I think that they definitely are the reason that I like this movie at all, (laughs) almost because otherwise it really does feel like it's very oddly paced. I feel like it, it doesn't really pace properly in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that, I mean, the elements I liked about this is really kind of the love story of this, which it could have been sort of almost any love story about two people that, you know, find each other and, you know, are struggling with this same thing, you know, or whatever, but it's, I don't know. There, there is something about it to where you're intrigued because you're just like, I don't know where they're going with this in a lot of ways. But I think that it leaves the movie up for, it just, it leaves a lot of questions opened, I think. I think that some directions they took with the story and the characters, um, I I just kind of wish it would have either been fleshed out better or just done differently. Because I I just feel like, I, I actually feel like I left this movie kind of not even fully, like, satisfied with it or... I didn't get a full grasp of what they were trying to do, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I do, but I don't, if that makes sense. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure. I I feel like the movie was about a lot of nothing. (laughs) Like it it was about, you know, it was a love story, but I, I just, I'm not sure what the message specifically they were trying to say in this movie was. Um, You can make guesses. There's a few different things that it could be. But I feel like it wasn't super clear to me what they were trying to say with this movie. But yeah, um, it was it, it was shot well as far as cinematography, things like that. Um, but it's obviously a disturbing movie for the, you know, obvious reasons of what this movie and the nature of this movie is. So, you know, proceed with caution, I suppose, as far as that goes. Um, but because of that, I mean, it was disturbing and it it was very cringy for me. It was very hard to watch in certain parts of the movie, which I kind of expected going into it, but I guess I could say it didn't do as much on that cannibalism front as I expected it to. So, um, I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) It was just kind of a thing. So I, I guess I feel like I have a lot of mixed feelings about this movie because, I don't think it was like necessarily a terrible movie, but I just won't say that I enjoyed it really. Like I, I enjoyed the performances more than I enjoyed the movie itself, which I feel like has been a lot of movies lately. Um, 
there is, a, I feel like there are some things to unpack in this movie, but I just kind of left it feeling like it was a movie, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but for me, it just didn't really hit to where I, it's not going to be a very memorable movie to me um, in the near future, if that makes sense. When I came out of this movie, my first thought was, Justin's going to like it. Maybe that's why you're the resident cannibal, Justin. Maybe that's why (laughs) that felt right. Because, you know, me sitting over here, staunchly anti-cannibalism. You know what? I'm willing to stand here right now and take that position definitively so. I am anti-cannibalism. Hey, I was good to know. It's good to know. Yeah. Probably should go around and we should probably all say that at some point. But it's good to know that you're anti-cannibalism. I am. I'm also fairly anti this movie. <laughs> the pacing was god-awful to me. And it did those shots. Those like Oscar movie shots. Where they're just like, hey, we're going to have this scene of them just driving in a car in silence for 45 seconds of just them like sitting there staring at the road. And you're just sitting there watching it and you're going like, okay, the scene can end. It can end. Like they're not talking. They're not doing a damn thing. They're just silently on the road fucking driving. And I'm like, yeah, I get that every day when I commute to work. I don't need that in my movies. I mean, the one, the only thing I liked in this movie was the performances. I think, I think most of the actors in this movie did a great job of acting. I just thought that they were acting uh, with nothing. I, I think thematically the movie's all over the place. Like, with its allegories to what the the cannibalism stands for, I think that they try to make it fit multiple things, and I think they succeed at making it fit nothing. And when they they kind of made it fit some things, I think that they fit it in a negative way. I think the love story was fine. I think the ending of the love story is a little weird. Like the ending of the movie, I don't think quite lines up with everything, especially visually. I don't think it really makes any sense. I don't necessarily agree with either one of you about there being disturbing scenes in this movie. And then it kind of makes me wonder about myself. Am I that fucking desensitized to this shit at this point? I was surprised, visually speaking, by one scene in this movie, kind of like what you, uh, of, of the ilk that you guys were talking about saying that. I was surprised by one scene. And then, and it happens very early in the movie. That's all I'll say right now. And so from that point, any of the, the disturbingness of the cannibalism throughout the movie didn't phase me a single bit. It's all on par with shit I've seen in other movies. So it just never really phased me at that point following it. And I think that maybe part of the the, the problem I have with this movie 
is I think it hinged a little too much on that. It hinged on getting you unsettled in those moments to really kind of further whatever narrative it was trying to do. And since I didn't get unsettled by those moments, maybe that's why I'm not investing in anything later on in the movie. And it's just so come and go. And I thought some of the characters were rather weak. I do agree with you, Justin. I guess to a degree, because I don't think you'll agree as much as I do on this part, but a lot of scenes could have been taken out of this movie. I think you and me would at least be able to compromise and still probably knock 20 minutes off this runtime of just kind of some filler stuff that doesn't quite line up. Because, I mean, honestly, I could just take an axe to 45 minutes of this movie and just streamline it and just kind of focus it. That's why I said we could probably compromise on 20. You know, you you probably might have like 10 minutes in your head. So I'm like, if we, you know, just sit there and compromise it out, we'll get to 20 and, you know, be at least better served in the end. Uh I don't know. I just, I think, and the one thing I will give this movie credit for, you read the plot synopsis of this movie. It is the one of the worst written plot synopsises for a movie ever. It's like two young people find love through tragedy on the fringes of society. And you know from watching shit that it's cannibalism. You know, so like if you've seen the trailer, you know it's cannibalism. But then you read that plot synopsis and you're like, so wait, are they just saying that cannibalism is on the fringes of society? I will give this movie credit. It's nowhere near as ridiculous as that plot synopsis makes it sound, knowing it's cannibalism. But... And I think this is kind of the same for a lot of movies like this. These movies where they've got kind of a weird name. And then it turns out that that it's named for just a random line in the movie. I feel like it misses the mark. Kind of feel like that's the, 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 the unilighting or the underlining factor in a lot of movies like that. Especially ones that are randomly also based off books. That like 12 people read. So, I don't know. I was not feeling it. But I I had this distinct inkling when I was done though. I was like, I bet Justin's going to like this movie. I just like these conversations we've had kind of like a nomad land. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is like that movie or to that caliber or whatever. But to me, it felt like this was a weak attempt at an Oscar bait movie. And those movies have kind of worn a little thin on me. But I know they tend to like line up with, with what you like in a movie, Justin, you know what I mean? Like slightly more dialogue heavy, focusing more, on relationships and pure acting performances and unique camera shots. 
I don't always like those movies. I feel to me, I tend to have big narrative problems with those movies. And I, I feel like sometimes I don't I won't say you overlook them. I think you find other things to like about the movie to where that might not be as big of a problem for you as it does for me. I feel like I'm insulting you and I'm not trying to at all. Uh, I'm just trying to say like that type of movie I don't really connect with anymore. And I feel like this was a weaker attempt of one of those movies. And I feel like that could be why you liked it, but you might not have loved it. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense of this? Yeah, I get that. Well, I think um, for anybody, any movie that you like, you're probably going to forgive some of its flaws and its mistakes and things that it doesn't quite do narratively because you like other aspects of it. I think that's anybody. I don't think that's just me. Um, And I mean, and I don't know, like sometimes with these movies where not everything is sort of given to you. I think that what you, or at least how I see it is, is that sometimes when it's more, I guess, artsy and it's more about kind of like interpretation and stuff like that, you seem to do better when things are more structured and spelled out for you for a lack of a better term, not saying like, Oh, you're stupid. I don't mean it like that, but there are movies that are more, that are a little more structured and, you know, it it gets from point A to point B and there's a set of steps and you can just see that clearly. But then there are kind of movies like this where it's more interpretive. It's more about like what's happening beneath the surface and the story we're telling with angles or the story where kind of like parasite was, or the story we're telling with like the metaphors and things like that. And you do tend to not like those movies as much, you know, I think. The only thing I'll say about that is to me, especially in, in movies, I don't feel like there's as much of a need for interpretation. I think books work better when it comes to interpretation narrative or something like that, because essentially it's all taking place in your head anyway. So there is always that more room for interpretation. I don't really like it when movies, when they can literally show you shit. We'll just chalk shit up to interpretation. I feel like some, I guess like you said, artsy movies tend to just do that more often. And to me, it makes me wonder if the writer actually had an actual idea of what it was supposed to mean. 
I understand that like you could have a couple of meanings or whatever, but I always feel like maybe they didn't have a real concrete thing they had in mind. Therefore, they left it interpretive to just work around that. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'm saying that that's where I always end up feeling it is that it doesn't feel like the, the, the writer even has an answer or it gives them a way to always have an answer. You know, like you get those Q and a sessions and they're like, Hey, did you mean this whenever you were writing this scene and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yes, that's exactly what I meant. And then they just kind of use that from that point on. I mean, it's, it's the same problem I have with Marvel right now with Kevin Feige kind of verbally retconning stuff here and there. Like when they're like, Hey, was that, you know, young, uh, Spider-Man that Tony Stark saves at that fair in Iron Man too. You know damn well when they shot that scene and they did that movie, that was just kid number five on the call sheet. <laughs> and Kevin Feige's like, yep, that was Peter Parker. And that's why he loves <laughs> Iron Man. It just feels like that sometimes. <laughs> in these movies, when you're like, well, you could have meant 90 different things. And in the movie, you never definitively stuck with one. You know, that's where I end up getting issues with these movies, because most of the time it's narrative. And this one, it's narrative and pacing. But I mean, I won't argue that it has amazingly high quality acting, has amazingly high quality uh, cinematography. You know, it has amazing aspects of what you want in filmmaking. I just don't think it definitively tells a story. I think it kind of tells a story and it wants you to essentially write the rest. And so everybody's and you don't like and you think that's a problem. You don't I, you see yes. that as a problem. I'm you don't fine want with to it like, at scenes like you if, don't like when a movie makes you do that. You'd rather it just give you the story and you absorb yeah. that. Yeah. Tell me the story. Like, don't okay. t- like, you know what I mean? It it ends up feeling like, you know, we're all going to have subjective interpretations of a movie regardless. Even if you break down every point of a story, we're all still going to have subjective aspects of our mu- movie viewing with it. And then when you, to me, when you add that into also, having vast interpretations of a story to where you take away even just the little small subjective differences we have. And then you, you make those now a part of the narrative. So now you saw a scene and interpret it narratively speaking X. I watch that scene and I take it as narratively Y Heather watches that scene and it's narratively Z. And to me, that's an issue because that's three different stories. Now, the movie now has three different stories right now. And to me, that's not telling a story then. That's See, I feel like this is why you typically don't necessarily always have like a, a favorite character <laughs> so much as like, because I think you just like overall stories more than just specific characters. I think that's kind of what your thing is in movies and shows. That's fair. 
And that's also, and that also could be why there are times I don't like a movie. And I sometimes have like a hard time articulating like multiple reasons why, when it really is just as simple as I don't like the story. Yeah. But like subjectively, I want to be like, well, I didn't like this thing, this thing, this thing. Overall, I didn't like the story. More often than not, if I'm having a hard time articulating it, that's what it boils down to. I want to break it down even further than that. But sometimes it really is as simple as I just didn't like the fucking story. And that could be a lot of it with this too. I didn't like the story. Because I think when it comes to what the cannibalism or uh, symbolizes, I think... I think they tried to have their cake and eat it too and have it mean a lot of things. And I just don't think it narratively lands on any one aspect. And I'd be fine with it because that's kind of the point of quote-unquote monster movies when you get down to it. You use the monster to symbolize something. And different monsters symbolize different things. But when you have... One type of monster symbolizing something, but then you have the same type of monster symbolizing something else. It gets a little weird to me. But that's the whole point of what the monster symbolizes. There's different things. So, I don't know. I want to get yeah. into spoilers because I feel like I'm going to brush up against that. So, you guys ready to move to recommendations and scores real quick? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and score. Heather, what is your recommendation and score? This movie is mostly, it's really close to being sort of a middle of the road movie for me, just because very much like you, the acting for me is the thing that stood out, the thing that I did enjoy about this movie. I think if they had lesser performances in the two leads, I think it really would have just been a very mundane story in general. So I'm I'm glad that they had the two leads that they did for this movie because for me that that's what saved it. Um yeah, I I think it it did drag in some parts that I didn't need to. I think that um it I I wasn't super clear on the the point of what they were doing with a lot of the movie. But again, really great performances that sort of make it a little bit ahead of what it would be without them. So I would say, I don't know. I feel like, hmm, I mean, yeah, this one's a tough one just because, again, it's not like I hate the movie. I just... It's not a movie I think I'd ever want to really watch again, though. Um, and kind of like what we said at the beginning, I'm not sure who to recommend this movie to. Like, I'm I'm not going to be like, no, it's completely terrible to everybody. Nobody should watch it. I just don't know the specific crowd that I would say should watch it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if any part of it interests you, um, if anything about the storyline interests you, sure, see what you think about it. But I'm not going to recommend it on the sense of I thought it was a great movie. Um, I will, uh, I'll give it, um, I think I'm just going to give it like 52 uh, 
52, um, 52 transfers to different cities and states because you've gotten kicked out and are on the run for terrible things you've done out of 100. Justin, what about you? Cool. So, yeah. And when I mentioned that earlier, like who exactly to recommend this to, it's because it, this movie's very unique in the two themes. Well, in, in, in the concepts, I guess you could say more than themes that it mixes because on one end you've got cannibalism that is associated with the characters. And then you have a love story. And normally when you think of those two things, like, you try to think of, okay, what genre does that normally fit in? Well, you know, of course, the Hannibal movies and stuff like that. Like, normally when you're talking about cannibalism, you're talking about some monster or horror or something like that. And when you think of a love story, you're thinking about, you know, romantic comedies, Romeo and Juliet, you know, that that kind of stuff. And, and this is almost like, it's it's... It's got a, it's a love story-ish, the, the, the drama of it is comparable to something like Romeo and Juliet. But then you have like the cannibal type aspect of it that has like the blood and the gore and stuff like that. And so that's what makes it weird. It's like, it's, it, and in a way that, that sort of makes it unique, you know, dare I say gutsy that they even tried to mix these things and come up with what they thought was a movie. So I don't know. I think it does, but but I think it gets points for just trying to do something a little different, trying to mix some things that are a little different. So I think I can at least say that if you're looking for something different, just unique, there isn't anything quite out. I don't think that mixes concepts foreign, I guess concepts so foreign as love and cannibalism. I mean, that's almost as on different, two different sides of the spectrum as there is. And they combine to tell this story. So I think there is something kind of unique about that. And I think if you're looking for something that is of a different flavor, it it is going to play with your emotions in different ways. It's going to try to disgust you, but then it's going to try to make you feel something tender and it's going to try to make you feel something for the characters. That's a a crazy place to be. But if you're a person that kind of wants a movie to kind of shake you up a bit, this might be the one. It, It might be the one. It might be the one that you're looking for. So I think on those merits... I can recommend it. And there are definitely moviegoers that complain all the time about movies not being artsy enough, not being interpretive enough, not being, you know, not challenging me enough in concepts or thoughts and things like that. This might be one that challenges you. You know, this might be one where you look at it and maybe you can appreciate kind of what it was trying to do and what it's trying to get you to interpret. So I think on those merits, I can recommend it on that. If that if that's your kind of movie, yes. But if you're a person who's like, well, I'm not down for this bloody shit, 
then maybe, you know, you may find problems with the cannibalism and some of the themes and stuff like that. That might be a little unsettling for you. And I don't know, it might interfere with like how you interpret or see or feel for the love story of the characters. You know, it's kind of like, will you allow this movie to have its cake and eat it too? I think is a big determining factor on whether or not you like it. I, I think that's kind of the truth about the movie, um, which for me makes it fun, but for some, maybe not so much. Uh, with all that being said, we're going to go with, eh, I'll give it 70 really creepy old men with knives laying on top of you while drooling out of a hundred. That scene was so damn weird. Um, I can make this simple because I feel like I'm the only person that distinctly knows who I'm going to recommend this movie to definitively without a shadow of a doubt. I know who I'm recommending this movie to. That's no one. Nailed it. Nice. I mean, you know, I guess if you agree with, you know, or understand the way Heather or Justin interpreted it and, you know, you're kind of digging what Justin was saying about it, I guess watch it. But I'm just going to let you know now I'm going to secretly think you're a cannibal. <laughs> like I did with Justin. It's just I'm going to have this gut feeling you're a cannibal. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, there there's an audience for this movie somewhere. You know, like a distinct audience that will enjoy this movie for what it was meant to be enjoyed as. They'll, they'll like that duality of it all. And the funny thing is, is I didn't even really have a problem with the duality of it all. I just didn't think it actually connected that duality good enough. And I think to me... It used narrative cop-outs to achieve some of those things. But, I mean, it really does have good acting performances. It really does. I mean, I have never... I don't know if I've enjoyed the acting in a movie I did not like as much as I did in this movie. Yeah. I mean, the characters that were supposed to be creepy, they were creepy. The... The characters that were supposed to be conflicted were conflicted. I mean, every character nailed what they were supposed to bring to this movie. Yeah. On the flip side, I think a lot of those characters didn't need to be in the movie. But, I mean, it's Real well quick, would you would you say maybe the love story is more maybe akin to like a Bonnie and Clyde or a Queen and Slim? Then maybe like a Romeo Juliet. No, because Queen and Slim was good. <laughs> um, I don't like the Bonnie and Clyde comparison because they were actually like the way they're portrayed in movies is not factually accurate. There's a lot, so it's not really so a Bonnie and Clyde love story isn't really something to strive for, even on the the pure love side of things. Fair. You know, I mean, but at the same time, 
I could actually argue that their relationship was insanely toxic. And so the way their love story develops and stays together and all those things, I don't really think should be admired in any way, shape or form. And I think maybe that's why I was thinking more like a queen and slim because they were kind of just thrown together in a situation and just through the adventure of what they were going through, learned to really kind of love each other in a sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> just I, a like I said, I think that there are actually like deeply toxic things about the relationship in this movie though. Not like a, over time in circumstance, you develop love for one another. I think this is a, a terrible relationship at times. Um, not as bad as the notebook. Oh, notebook's one of the worst cinematic, you know, relationships ever portrayed in movies. The, their relationship toxicity level would kill the world. This isn't that bad. But I do think it kind of hinges on like a less severe version of Joker and Harley Quinn. Okay. But less severe. Because that's that's another one that people love. Oh, it's fucking terrible. Like all the people that love that, they're like, I'm looking for the Joker to my Harley Quinn. I'm like, have you read any of that shit? It's fucking terrible. Like, that is never a relationship to strive to be. Uh, But no, I don't recommend it. And like it. But it does have some good acting. It does have some good shots. It has elements of what you should look for in a movie. Or, you know, traits of a good movie. I just think, narratively and directorially, it, I, I feel like it, it, it lets itself down. Um, I'm going to give it 39 sucking the meat off a finger like it's a KFC drumstick out of 100. What the fuck did I say? I said 39, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 54. So it's still on the positive side of things. What was Jason's score? 70. Okay. Yeah, so it's still on the positive side of things. I had to give it something. Because there are redeeming qualities to this movie. This isn't one of those movies that I don't like so much that there's nothing redeeming about it. Right. There is stuff. It's just not enough for me to give it anything more than that. Uh, Spoilers? Wait, oh, sorry. I didn't say it right. Our official Cinescore is a 54. Son of a bitch. Now spoilers? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Spoilers. Uh that scene that I just mentioned, that's the one that caught me off guard. When they're just at that sleepover and she's like, look at my nails. And then I thought she was gonna like kiss him or something. And then she just starts chomping down on that digit. <laughs> yeah. That one caught me off guard. But after that, unfazed by any of the cannibalism scenes for the rest of the movie. Just an utter non-factor. 
in every way, shape, or form to me. And I think maybe that's why I might not have connected with other parts in the movie because I just, I never ended up getting that duality, really. I never got unsettled. So you never get to have those moments of unsettlingness and then, you know, change that a little bit with the love story to kind of balance it out. I never ended up having that aspect or feeling throughout the rest of the movie. I guess you can say that the only other time that I was slightly uncomfortable was that 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 scene that Justin brought up when he's just lying on that girl drooling. Yeah. That's the scene I was talking about. I mean, I would that that was the scene that was unsettling to me. Not so much the cannibal scenes either. That that was more or less the scene. Like the acting that that guy was doing, man, that plays Sully. He just he had all the creepy, predatory, just vibes. He just had all of that about him, man. That dude acted his ass off. And man, that was so unsettling when he was on top of her, man. I was just like, my God, man, this is, this is making my skin crawl. (laughs) So I, I, so that was very effective acting. Very effective. I'll give you that. In that regard. Yes. That scene is unsettling. I, 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 I agree with that. My only issue with that scene is I don't exactly know what they were trying to portray. I don't know if they were trying to portray cannibalism hunger from him. I don't know if they were trying to portray sexual desire from him. I don't know what emotion they were trying to portray through him with him being creepy. You know what I mean? I didn't understand what they were quite going for in that moment because she thought she was going to get raped at one point And he was like, no, no, it's not like that. And then his drool is just dripping on her eyelid. Like, I just, I don't know what they were truly trying to convey through that. So then I look at it and in my head, I go, well, then what the, what was the purpose of the scene? What was the purpose of that performance? I've got nothing to truly tie that to anything else. And I felt like they did that a lot with a lot of the eaters in this movie, as they call them. You know, when they meet that those two in the woods, and they're like, yeah, we smelled you, and then it turns out this one's not even really a cannibal. He's just a cannibal. But he's not a cannibal with a capital C like we are. He's a lowercase cannibal because he just likes to do it because he's a fucked up guy. And you have that. But I don't know what they were trying to portray with all that. You know, in that same scene, it's almost like they try to hint that maybe cannibalism is a weird allegory for drug addiction. Because they're like, oh, when they're talking to the Timothy Chalamet character and they're like, oh, I know that look. Just just look like a strung out junkie. But then that never really plays into the movie. At no other point in the movie do they really portray it 
the cannibalism to drug addiction or comment on in on him having more of a drug addiction or coming off a of drug addiction. They don't actually comment on anything else when it comes to drug addiction or anything else like that in the rest of the movie. So then it makes me think there are scenes cut out that might portray that, but they just got rid of them. But then at the same time, they left it in this movie or they left that scene in this movie and it doesn't tie to anything. So, all right, well, you can, that's one of the arguments you can make that cannibalism might symbolize or tie into connectively, uh, connectively to drug addiction. You also then through the daughter's storyline or the main character storyline, you also can then possibly tie it to generational trauma because her mom was the same way and she passed it to her, uh, her and all these other things. And then, you know, Timothy Chalamet's character, her, his, you know, dad was a terrible guy, but then, you know, he's, you know, cannibal. So it's like, is it an allegory for generational trauma in that regard? You know, they also implied that that might be the possibility with, uh, what was his name? Stinky McGillicuddy? That guy. They implied that he might have that too. In that regard. But then a big theme of the movie is kind of just accepting who you are in that regard. Like you can't change the fact that you're a cannibal. You are one. So you either lean into it or you kill yourself. Well, that's not necessarily the best message in the world for, for if you're using it to equate to generational trauma. Like you either succumb to it or kill yourself. That's not a good message for that. So then maybe you can tie it into trauma itself. Maybe not even generational trauma, just trauma itself. Then unfortunately you still have the same outcome with a lot of that. So just in the end, what was the cannibalism supposed to symbolize? Because at multiple times in the movie, they try to make it seem like it is something more than just a horror movie gimmick of it being actual cannibalism. That there is a different narrative depth to it. But at no point do they narratively tell a story that aligns itself with any one thing but then at the same time even if you take it and align it with multiple things it gives a terrible fucking lesson because multiple times in the movie they more or less say the only way to live like this is to either accept it and just do it or kill yourself and that'll stop it so there's so many things you can tie it back to. Maybe mental health. Still not a good allegory for it because it's not, you know, that's not the message you want to tell people with mental health issues. Those are your only solutions. You know what I mean? And so I don't think that's one reason why I have narrative problems with the story. Is it had multiple opportunities to do so. It leans itself into too many things and it never definitively says anything. And I think overall, that's my problem with the story. Is to me, narratively, it never even says anything in the end. I mean, you have this whole love story and all this other stuff, and then they finally find some normality and all this other stuff. But then, you know, they did the typical movie thing where, you know, something from the past comes and fucks it up. And then, you know, he's going to die from it. And then she's like, no, you know, he's like, oh, eat me. And she's like, no, and all this other stuff. But then the last scene of the movie is them just sitting on a hill. 
like she's holding him. And then what was that supposed to mean? Because that just doesn't tie into anything. There's no, that's not even a callback to anything. Really? It's just a scene they threw on the end of a movie. So then to me, I see that and I go, well, they're just throwing scenes in this movie. So then I'm less willing to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to narrative interpretation throughout the movie. Because then I'm feeling like they didn't know what story they were telling. They knew they had elements of a story. They had characters. They had some stuff they wanted to happen. But they didn't really have a narrative outline or a narrative through point to tell the whole story. Because if you're willing just to throw scenes in for whatever sake, that's what, you know, to me makes you think you don't have a plan. So then I'm not going to give you that leeway that you had an idea when you came up with narrative interpretation. You just wanted to have that playroom to connect with your audience. But that's all I'll say now. Uh, Justin, what about you? Okay, so um, where to begin? Yeah, we already talked about that um, one unsettling scene. Um, it's interesting that you drew parallels to drug addiction and or it could have been generational trauma or any of those things. Uh, I think in a way, both of those things can kind of be similar, I guess, in how they affect a person. So I, I guess, uh, b- but for me, um, it did seem more along the lines of addiction, at least the way I was interpreting things like, the way the how they would have and just looking at the characteristics of the cannibalism that made the most sense to me how they would have these urges and they would have to have this flesh you know you have to eat this flesh and there's and 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 this and kind of whenever they would have these urges you know, they would start breathing heavily and stuff like that. Like you could see them physically reacting to this hunger that they had. So to me, it feels more along the lines of something like that because there was sort of a physical reaction to this this need to feed, so to speak, and this urge that they would have and things like that. So I don't know. I, it feels more along the 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 lines of that to me um, than, than anything else. I feel like it, it works more like that. But yeah, it de- but it definitely could be um, any of those other things. But it felt but it feels like that's probably the 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 ballpark that we're in. Because addiction can also be generational. You know, addiction can be, can cover mental health. Addiction can, you know, it kind of can cross over into all of those things. So it just feels like uh, probably something more along the lines of that is where we are. Um, 
So I guess like um, that might be why. And then you just think about the fact that other people who don't have this need to get away from this, how, how your behaviors affect those people around you and people feeling like they, they can't be around you or you feeling like you have to seclude yourself from people. I mean, it just, you know, it feels like addiction checks most of those boxes. Like it, it just feels like it does. Um, but I digress with that point. Like, I guess what I really liked about the film, um, or at least like what I liked in sort of the themes of it at first is that, okay, you've got these people and you know, she, so, so we meet her and she's, we know that she has this and that this has been something from childhood and the, you know, the father did what he could and sort of left her and the voice recordings and stuff like that, which I thought that that was cool too. I liked how they sort of bit by bit gave you some of those voice recordings and you're kind of learning about her life as she's trying to go to her past. And and I think that that was another thing I liked about the movie. I liked the dichotomy of the, the, the two lovers, so to speak. One was sort of trying to go to their past and one was sort of running away from theirs. So I thought that that was a good dichotomy. I followed that. And so like while one per and, and they're both like on this journey together, but both of them have these different needs, both of them have something in common, you know, which is the the ailment or the cannibalism or whatever it may be. So they've got this ugly thing in common. But they, but all of it is sort of also like marred in these scars of the past, you know. And you got one character trying to face it, the other characters going the other direction. And so I, I thought that that was a good dichotomy. But yet we're on the road, kind of on this adventure, learning about each other together. So looking at it from the outside, from those narrative standpoints, I liked all of that. I liked the positioning uh, that the movie was doing. Um, Where I'm a little more critical is, is that yes, there were just quite a few scenes of us driving or us sitting or us doing, you know, things like that. So, and all of that stuff pads the runtime. And some of it, maybe you could argue, maybe it was necessary to, make you believe this relationship, like to make you believe there was love If sometimes when they do these relationships on screen, if everything is happening so quickly and you, and everything is just sort of developing, maybe you don't buy it by the time we get to the end. So maybe they felt like, Oh, we need to see these characters spend the time with each other. We need to see these scenes. We need to see them connecting. We need to see them talking about their struggles with addiction, or in this case, the cannibalism, uh, in order to understand where the characters are coming from. Maybe they felt like all that was necessary for you to buy the relationship by the end. Uh, I would argue maybe you didn't mean, you didn't need as much of that because the acting was so strong. I think you could have had less scenes, and I think that those actors would have done well enough with less of that to where it's still, I think it still would have came across 
by the end. I mean, this is kind of armchair quarterbacking, but I think even if I had less of that stuff, I think I would have still bought it that, uh, by the end. That I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Justin. That is a very solid argument for some of that stuff. You know? Right. Like Because yeah. sometimes, I, I get what you're saying, like sometimes a movie... They keep essentially the relationship building scenes moving so fast that it feels like two days have passed in a relationship or whatever. And so by Mm -hmm. slowing those down, you get more of a feeling of genuine time passing. And I totally agree with that is probably what they were trying to do with all that. Mm -hmm. And And that's why I'm saying... I want 45 minutes cut. You want 10 minutes cut. We could probably get it down to 20 and still could be good. Uh, but with that, I, I really like how you commented on the fact that their acting was good enough to, to get away with it and not have those scenes. And so maybe that's why those scenes end up feeling like a chore to me because I didn't need those scenes to buy their relationship. I didn't need them sitting in silence in the car multiple times because anytime they talked, anytime they interacted with each other in any way, shape or form, they sold the relationship. Yeah. They, they, they at least sold it building and becoming one. At no point are you going, I don't understand how these two could possibly love each other. By the end of the movie, you know what I mean? You're not confused at all by the fact that they love each other because they did set that aspect up well. They did have good chemistry. Yeah. And the commonality of what they were being these cannibals and trying to hide that and stuff like you you got why they met and why they sort of connected at the beginning. And then you got and there was and there were some strong scenes on the way that were probably strong enough on their own uh, to where, like like we're all saying, you, you would have bought the relationship by the end. Maybe you didn't need a lot of those other things happening. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's where I totally would have cut some stuff is um, that stuff. Um to to comment on kind of where the story got got to the end and just sort of what I thought about it. Um, so by the time we get to the end, it felt like though you had one character like going to the past thinking that that's going to answer and solve my problem, and you had one character running from the past going, if I keep running, that's going to solve my problem. I liked that both of those theories were wrong so to speak because both of those are terribly shitty ways to deal with your past like (laughs) like you know what I mean like leaning on it to answer all of your questions and to guide your life can be problematic just like running from it uh to and thinking that somehow that's going to solve everything is also problematic so I like that none of that worked for either character. And ultimately, when they didn't have that, 
there was more in the fact that it, it, it was the togetherness of them. It was the love of them that I felt like after that happened and all of that happened, you know, she tried to revert back to kind of seclusion. Marin tried to kind of revert back to seclusion, but ultimately wound up going back to them. And that was another scene too. Like that, that felt a little hammy. Like we got to have a scene where they go, where they, where they split or something happens so that they can come back together. Can love stories just kind of stop doing that? If you don't have a good reason for it, or if you don't have like, why she ran away in that moment. I just didn't think they didn't sell me on that. I didn't understand. She just was kind of like, I need to go and left and left. And then she was gone for like, what seemed like a scene. And then she was like, okay, let me go back and find him again. Okay. Um, I guess the one saving grace of it though, was that when she did come back to him, they didn't over dramatize that really, you know, he was just kind of sitting by the, the water or whatever. And then, you know, she came up to him, they ran up and hugged. We didn't get some yeah. close up or some dramatic music. It just kind of happened. And that was it. So at least it was kind of a quick end around thing. But again, did we really need that to happen? We could have just been sitting up in that truck or we could have both been by the water and them just reflecting on how fucked up life is and hugged each other. And that might've done the same thing as her leaving for that scene, going and talking to the sister and coming back and hugging him at the water. Probably could have just not done it and arrived to the same place. So see, these are things where I feel like you could have trimmed some fat, so to speak with, with, some of the stuff. Uh, the the last couple of things I'll say is just that Sully to me, I think Sully is, is he the monster that you become if you don't have love and support? Like if you don't have something Like, is that the the result of seclusion and trying to, is he the result of like loneliness and seclusion and trying to handle this ailment, this addiction, this thing, you know, is that the consequence of being alone is that you just get consumed by the very thing? You know what I mean? But at the same time, he wasn't as quote unquote evil as the two guys they ran into in the park. You know what I mean? Like those were the quote unquote evil characters, at least at that junction Mm. of the movie. Now you can argue that Sully at the end of the movie is worse, you know? So that's a tough art. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. It's just a somewhat tough sell based on what some of the other characters were in the movie. And I then, see what you're saying. No, I'll say this. I, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, there, 
I, I, I've got something I want to bring up with some of the other stuff you said that kind of ties into this, but it's way more of a deeper conversation than I want right at this moment. Cause I want you to finish and Heather to go. So I'll save it. Okay. So, yeah. And I'll try to wrap this up, Heather, but yeah, I guess just some of the things he was saying about, like, you know, I told you all this and trying to force a connection with someone because he never had that, like trying to force somebody to be on this, you know, he tried to connect with her and he did tell her some valuable things and shared some valuable information with her and stuff like that, you know, stuff that she needed to know. But it seemed like what he wanted was what they had. You know, he, he didn't have that person, you know, in his life. He didn't have that, you know, and, and the following around her around and, Wanting, it just felt like he was somebody who needed that and didn't have it. And the mother, when she wrote that letter, kind of warned about this monster that you could become like this, this, you know, let me sort of take you out of this world before you become this, this monster, because you can't live in society. You are going to become the monster. And so Sully sort of felt like the the monster you could potentially become, you know? And even though the couple was cannibal, they were cannibals too, you felt like because of their love, they were trying to hold on to that side that that was their humanity. So there was this constant struggle of, I've got this, this cannibal part of me, but we've got this humanity and we feel guilt and we feel shame and we're trying to be better than this thing that we are, this thing that is of us or that's a part of us and everything like that. And I don't know. I guess I appreciated that struggle. I guess I appreciated in that way sort of what this meant and what it was trying to say. And the last thing I'll say, Heather, is just at the end, I think she ate him at the end. Um, Bones and all. So to speak, I think she, I think he died. I think she ate him. And at the end of that movie, what we're seeing is a scene from the past. Remember when they were out in that meadow, that beautiful meadow place, and they were laying on the, the um, memory maybe. Yeah. And so that was just kind of a memory. You know what I mean? That was just a, memory from the past from a past scene that we saw where they were there and they were sitting on the towels or whatever and they were kind of talking and that was kind of like their one of their like more like romantic moments was that scene when they were laying out there kind of looking at each other and all that stuff but I do think she ate him I think she ate him bones and all and that was sort of something that they foreshadowed because a character talked about Sully talked about eating the bones and, you know, eating everything and including the bones or whatever. And I think that's what ultimately she had to do. So in a way it's sort of this tragic love story. I think that's why people make the, the Romeo and Juliet comparisons not so much the star-crossed lovers aspect, 
because they weren't two completely different people coming together. They had, they, they were both common cannibals, but I guess you could say their journeys were opposite with one going to the past, one trying to get away from the past. Maybe that was the star crossed thing here was their mindsets on how their past, how to deal with their past in order to deal with what they were going through or who they were, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, that's how I saw the movie. And that's sort of how I interpreted the end of it. So sorry, Heather, for being so long. You can go. <laughs> yes, good. Heather. Go. Um, see, I feel like if with that ending, like if that's what they did at the end with the whole she ate him bones and all, I feel like it actually would have been interesting to maybe like do a do the voiceover of when the guys were talking about it when they're showing that scene so that they could remember them talking about because they were like, oh, yeah, that's a big deal when you eat somebody bones and all for the first time, you know, or whatever. Like if they had maybe done like a, you know, us just hearing that conversation, you know, like the over voice of that conversation, if that was what they meant. Just because I feel like that maybe would have sold more of like that being what happened. Um, I do agree, though. I definitely think she ate him. Um, I think I was surprised that a little bit that it wasn't like they ate each other at the end, especially because it felt like they were all they had. Um, So Mm. I was I was surprised by that and kind of expected that to be the direction they took with it. But um I mean, and honestly, I would have liked to have seen something after the fact with like, I mean, you see them on this journey together and essentially she's coming into her own of understanding who she is, you know, what this thing is that's, you know, inside of her that she feels like she has to do. And, but it just feels almost like it's only revolving around her relationship with Lee you know, you don't feel like on her own, she's really set to know who she is by herself as much. And I think it would have been maybe a nice, a nice touch to like see a scene if it was like, oh, one year later or something like that, where you see her on her own and what, what, how she's managing to deal with this without him. You know what I, I mean? I agree with that. I, I think, yeah, I think that would have been a nice touch or a, a good way to end it so that it didn't seem like her life was completely over because he was gone. Um, you know what I mean? But especially cause I mean, they, they found that place and they made a home for themselves and like, they never stay one place too long, but you know, maybe she settled down somewhere or maybe she didn't, but she was doing it on her own and, you know, learning how to survive in the world dealing with this thing that she's dealing with. So I don't know. That would have been, I think a better way to end it. As far as Sully goes, I feel like (laughs) it's weird. I feel like he almost gives me a weird, almost version of like a pick me boy energy (laughs) kind of thing with her. Cause like he, I almost feel like his character is he's, he's the guy that's like, I feel like because we are the same, you know, like basically it seemed like he didn't have anybody. And the first person that he crossed paths was in who knows how long that was like him, um, kind of rejected him in a sense. And, um, and I, maybe that's what was feeding and driving his 
kind of obsession with her because he's trying to figure out like, but we're the same. Like, why wouldn't you like me? Why wouldn't you want to hang out with me? Why wouldn't you want to still be around me? Why'd you run away from me so fast? You're just like me in his mind when she's like, no, like we're not the same in that way. So I feel like his whole thing is he was very lonely and he, he spent all this time kind of crafting and understanding his cannibalism to this point where it's the only thing he really knew, you know, and he wanted to share that with her, but because he allowed that to be the only thing he was, it made him this creepy person. <laughs> yeah. And it made him want to, and then almost in a way, like, like you're, you're like making me think about him now, like, and almost in a way, like, just like how the cannibalism was this thing. It was like, she became another thing he had to have another thing he needed to have another thing he needed. You know, she sort of became another addiction of his yeah. in a way, you know, just based on what you're saying. But anyway, didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, you're good. That's true. I mean. So, yeah, I because I, I had a hard time understanding what he was doing, too, especially with like his ending when he's like, oh, we have unfinished business. I I'm not even sure what that meant. I don't know if you guys know, but I didn't know what he meant by that, because it was almost like, you know, she kept saying, like, remember, you don't kill people, right? Like you just know when they're going to die and you wait for it or whatever, you know, and but he was also saying he wasn't trying to rape her. So. What was his unfinished business? You know what I mean? I don't know if I if I fully know what that was, but um, all he said was, "I told you too much." He said something like, "You know all about me," or "You know all my secrets," or "I told you too much." He said something like that. Like I, I remember him. I remember that line. Like him yeah, saying, "I remember, I remember the remember unfinished business line," and I remember him saying. I, I told you too much or, you know, too much about me. So there was a line, something like that. Um, yeah. And maybe that's yeah. what it was. Maybe it was like unfinished business of I have to kill you because you know too much or who I have no idea. And you Honestly, don't want to stay with me. Yeah. Like, but yeah, you're right. right. It's not entirely clear, you know, if there was a specific motive for why he was, um, Right. You know, other than just he wanted her, you know, all the following and he could smell her, which was like also creepy because where could she ever hide from him? You know what right. I mean? Because he, he, he could smell her. So, yeah, he was a scary character, man. He was yeah, he was character. very unsettling for sure. <laughs> I, I think and one of the, the things, one of my questions really, or I guess, you know, things about this movie that I wasn't too sure on was. It they make it seem like there's just a, a super big world actually full of eaters. And before this, before that moment, at least, uh, Marin had no idea there was anybody else like her, really. Um, and so I feel like that kind of escalated so quickly to where almost the first person she meets when she goes out on her own is an eater. <laughs> and like, I just was like, oh, there's more of them. Like, how? Like, what's the lore of this? What's the rules of this? Like, and he kind of explains some of it while they're getting to know each other. But 
just I I just I think I didn't expect that this movie was going to be full of that many other people who were like her. I honestly thought this movie it was going to end up being just her and uh, Lee that were that way. And they found each other somehow and they were like, we got to figure this out. Like, I didn't know it was going to be that there were that many others and this whole world of people that are like, oh, you're an eater too. All right. Have you learned how to smell when people are going to die? And just the whole thing with a bunch of people. So that was interesting to me. But I think I thought that it escalated quickly to that because I was like, man, literally the first person that she met. But it could have been because he could smell her. So maybe he was kind of following her for a while or knew where she was for a while. I don't know. But that was just an interesting development that I don't think I necessarily saw coming. Um, And then also, I think another surprise for me with this movie was I expected to see a lot more of Marin's relationship with her dad. Uh, Just because even in the trailers or just the fact that he's kind of basically her only family, really. I thought that that was going to be one of those. They're super close and he's conflicted because he knows what she is. And it was that, but he just, he left so quickly and so abruptly. And he was not in this movie nearly as much as I expected him to be. Um, So that was a little bit of a surprise. And I think that like, I don't know. I, I, I understand why he felt the way he felt for sure about her and saying like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to turn you in, but I can't live like this anymore. So I understand what he was doing, but man, he did her dirty with that, like just up and leaving in the night and just here's some money. I'm never going to see you again. Sorry. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Like I just, especially with, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like he's like, he's not even going to make sure that like, I don't know, have the conversation in person with her or like, or make sure there was somebody who could look after her if she ran out of money or something like it just, he just dipped out so fast. And I don't feel like he had a full plan. I think he just kind of, it felt like he made that decision on a whim, like that he was upset about what she did at her friend's house and he was just like, I'm done with this, you know? And I don't think, I don't think it was something he had planned for a long time, but I feel like it was just so like, man, I I just, especially that being her only family, I think he should have gone about it a little bit differently than he did, but just my opinion. Um, But yeah, I mean, all, all the other things that you guys talked about, like I, I, I pretty much, mostly agree as far as like the story storyline and things like that with it. Um, I really did appreciate their, their connection and their chemistry because it felt very genuine. It felt organic. It felt like they were real people in a relationship. And I also did appreciate that aspect of them of they knew the worst about each other and they still just really accepted each other. Even when you see um, Lee, you know, at the carnival and he's just trying to find somebody else that they can have for food, you know, and he goes and he finds um, the guy working at the carnival ends up like seducing him so that they can eat him. Like she had no qualms with the seducing somebody else. Like she was just like, well, this is kind of I don't feel like she did. I mean, it didn't seem like she did. 
because I think she knew it was really just like, oh, he's only seducing people because we just need to eat, you know? Um, so she just was, they, they were just very much like, well, this is, this is our life. Like, I know why we're doing this and we just fully accept the other for who we are. Um, but I also think another thing that threw me off a bit was, um, like how quickly it escalated that they needed to eat (laughs) because it felt, and maybe she would have done it more. She was locked up, but I mean, they said that there was a long time between incidences, right? With Marin eating somebody before she snuck out of the house. So it just became literally what it just every other day it seemed like with her just deciding to eat people at that point, maybe because she was coming into her own of accepting what she was and what she wanted to do. But that just kind of escalated quickly for me as well. Um, yeah, I think the, the concepts of like addiction and generational trauma were both also things that came across my mind with this movie for sure. Um, Oh, and to add to that, um, mm -hmm. I also, somebody said that they thought it was an allegory for like queerness or like how somebody like maybe like, you know, somebody of a different like, like homosexuality or something kind of of that nature. Just the whole thing of like how the dad was like, you know. I I saw this in you when you were three and then, you know, the, the, the not understanding, but the person born this way and then being abandoned and having to find people like you. And so there are people that have made parallels to that too. I meant to say that and I forgot, but anyway, uh, back to it. Sorry that, that just, I totally forgot to say that earlier, but yeah, I wouldn't mean to like just, Say no, that's good. it, but just that's another allegory to that a, people were addition, making parallels yeah. to. Like, what were you going to say, Sterling? No, no, no. It ties into something I'm going to say later. That's fine. Okay. Go ahead. But I mean, I guess with those two um, kind of underlying themes and allegories that they're going with, um, here's where I would actually argue that a movie like smile does it better (laughs) because I feel like smile was very clear in the type of allegory it was going for more so with this one where it's a little bit more ambiguous and um, it it is a little bit more feels a little bit more up for interpretation as far as the underlying message of this movie. But yeah, the generational trauma aspect of it, like that, I think that they could have, or just in like, like Sterling said, just trauma in general. Um, I think that they really could have maybe honed into that or touched on that maybe a little bit better because I feel like with the nature of this movie and the nature of their relationship and how they were really trying to be that support for the other, I think they could have gone kind of a lot deeper with that underlying message if that's what they were going for with the message um just a you know not anything you know crazy but just you know like that deep like oh this hits home because I get what you're going for because I had that moment in a movie like smile where it was like 
man, they're saying that sometimes this mental illness is going to stay with you for a long time. You know, like that kind of like aha moment of that message. And I didn't really get an aha necessarily from this movie with that kind of thing, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, and I think that's kind of a little bit why I'm like, okay, what exactly were they going for? Like, just be a little bit more clear, I guess, in is this what we should be taking away from it? You know what I mean? Like I, that, that's just kind of my thing with that. But um, yeah, I think um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else in, in those regards. I mean, there were just, I, I don't necessarily think the movie was fully predictable. I think moments of it were like, I think it was fairly obvious that Lee killed and ate his father. Um, I kind of saw that being what that was, but um Again, that is kind of where they lean into the addiction aspect of things, because when she asked him how it felt when he did that and he was like, it was like this rush that I've never had before. He said something along those lines. So it really does to them with their their urges for eating people feels to them like I need this to feel alive kind Mm -hmm. of mentality and him saying no, that guy's weird because he just like, he's just a terrible person. We need to do this. We have to do this. And so that is kind of the mentality of, of that type of thing. But yeah, it, they, they touched on some things that I think if they would have leaned into it in the story more could have been really good, but they only just tapped onto it and then they just kind of let it go. So Yeah, that's so that's why I I feel like I'm conflicted in my thoughts on the story of the movie. But again, as we've all agreed, like zero notes about the acting. The acting was great across the board. Well, you guys have brought up some things that make me wonder a little bit more about this movie. I think, Justin, I think you made a very strong argument, and I think Heather kind of leaned into it a little bit more, too, that this movie, that cannibalism can be more specifically argued to be addiction. But then at the same time, that kind of gives me more troubling views on this, too, because A, a relationship, you shouldn't build it off the recovery or identification of addiction. Like, that's always considered a bad thing. And then on top of that, then it gets weird that they're like, oh, you started when you were three. Most addicts aren't addicted to things when they're three. You know what I mean? So you get rid of that and just say, well, it was just inherently born into you. When sometimes it is to say there's not genetic components to addiction would be misleading. There definitely are. But then there's also other things that tie into it. So just to simply, to simplify it in that regard, I do think is problematic with that being the possible theme for it. Also the mentality of throughout the movie of you just accept it and lean into it. Even if you try to mitigate it as much as you can or kill yourself. And that's the only ways you've got out. I think is a bad Correlation to addiction. But then at the same time, 
I think it's just as problematic if it is uh, to lean in towards something of alternative sexualities. Let's say that that is what it's about. Like you were saying, Justin, that some people thought it was an allegory for that. Well, then it's just as problematic then too, because then you're having a heteronormative relationship be the centerpiece for an alternative sexuality allegory. That's mm-hmm. insanely problematic. Even if you do have like bits and pieces of alternative sexuality within it, you're still having the heteronormative relationship be your centerpiece of that story. And then also still leaning into the fact that so many of the people in the, the, the movie say you need to live on the outsides of society to be that way. And then also still have the ending or the in scenario be you either accept that's the way you are and just try to mitigate it or you kill yourself. That's still a bad message either way if that is what the theme was. And so I think maybe that that's why no matter what theme they were going for, I think that there are severely problematic issues throughout the movie leaning into those those themes with what, how they portrayed in the movie. Because either way, I say it is alternative sexuality. And I understand this movie is supposedly, what, 70s, 80s, somewhere in there. They're still saying that you need to hide it and you need to do all these other things so that it just doesn't come to light what you are. So any of those themes, that's kind of a problem with how they lean into that aspect of it. And so I maybe that's one reason why I have huge issues with it is because no matter what you want to use as that allegory, they don't handle it well, in my opinion. I think it's ultimately a bad message and a bad faith portrayal of it every step of the way, regardless of what it is, because the movie's noncommittal with it. You know? Well, to be fair, it was a bad character that said, you got to kill yourself or you got to hide from people. The, the, the mother said that. That, I don't think... Timothy Chalamet says it too. Did he say that? Yeah, when they're having a fight, he says it too. Because he was saying, you either deal with it, you get arrested, or you kill yourself. That's the only, like, he was like, that's the only way to live this life. Yeah. When they were having a fight. Yeah, because he said, you could get locked up like your mom, you deal with it, or you, um, yeah, or you off yourself. Yeah. Okay. See, if it was just the mom, saying that. I think I that's. Li- that. I think it was right after they saw the mom, but right before she ran away, they were having okay. some sort of fight while walking. Yeah, because she was still okay. kind of freaking out about her mom. I think. Yes. Yeah. And that was like the the fight they had that kind of amped up her anxiety, if you will, or whatever, that then led to her running away. Yeah. Okay. But what other option would there be? Like, okay, so like you have an addiction. You deal, you deal with the addiction. 
by that's giving one, into that's it. That's one path. Oh, he was saying you have to give into yeah, it. You just have to accept it and just deal with the fact that you want to eat people and eat people. Yeah. If it was you deal with it as mm. in you accept that that's what you are, but you, you know. You try to fight doing it. But you it. don't give into it. I would totally agree yeah. that it would be a great allegory in some ways for addiction. Because, yeah. that you know, you have to have that positive possible outcome with it but he was saying like this is because she was saying she doesn't want to eat people and he was like this is what you have to do you either have to do it and accept it get locked up like your mom or off yourself that's what he that's what he was saying and like in response to her saying i don't want to do this you know so if and it's you, addiction you, what oh go ahead sorry no I was just gonna no, say and i was oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, you, you. Sorry. I was just going to say, and you don't think that by the time he admits the story about what happened with his dad and everything like that, do, do you feel like he said that in that moment? Because the character, that's all the character had done to this point, Right. Was he had dealt, you know, he, his dealing with it was kind of just holding that in, not talking about it, not admitting that and everything like that. But I felt like when he admitted that story and got that out and cried and everything like that, and they sort of decided to go and just try to be in society and they got a house and we're just like being citizens. You don't think that the character changed by. I don't think after admitting that to her, I don't think they showed enough to say that they still weren't actively committing cannibalism. Okay. Okay. Cause I just felt that the character changed. I well, thought, I thought, Yes, that's what the character believed, but I felt like when she admitted that to him and he finally like opened up and dealt with that shit, that that changed him. And then they were like, okay, why can't we just let's just try to have a life and just simply live together? Let's try to be humans or whatever she said. Yeah, yeah. let's try to be humans. I, so I thought. That, yeah, but that this was, I think, before him. that, right? Like no, he. I, I think because he had that moment and then that's when they moved to Michigan and were living there. I agree with what you're saying, Justin, that that is like an actual possibility of the movie that that aspect of the movie or that part of the movie was showing that maybe they gave up the cannibalism lifestyle and were trying to live the straight and narrow and just be normal people in society as a form of like recovering from addiction, like the post addiction, not post addiction, because depending on how you look at it, you're just dealing with it every day, but the not succumbing to addiction part of recovery. I agree that that is a very good possibility that that's what they were trying to show in those scenes. Yeah. Cause like they showed quite a few scenes and they weren't doing 
cannibal shit. You know, that they showed the her going in and out and you know, she was had books and they they seemed and he was cooking eggs and they were eating eggs or whatever and it seemed like they were depicting that they were trying to not do the shit, you know. Although they but were But then Sully came coming back, you know. Yeah, although they did also like they kept prefacing like on phone calls with his family and stuff like we're not sure how long we're going to be here, which I took to mean if we end up eating somebody again, we got to be on the run. But again, that still could be like, we're going to try not to be those people, but it might happen. And if it does, we got to make sure we know what our plan is, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, one thing with addiction though, is that you can't judge that somebody's clean just based off snippets of their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the, you can always relapse. Well, no, you know. But even then, it's like you can look at somebody and it looks like they have their shit together. You know, they're, you know, they're going to work every day. They, you know, come home, cook dinner, all this other stuff, blah blah blah. And you know, they're just doing heroin at nine o'clock in the morning. That's <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's possible. And I think if they had more, I don't know, maybe throwing a line of dialogue of like just being realistic about it. Like, well, do you miss it? Or, you know, do you feel like, you know, that's something that, that might be an issue soon or something like that? Like something that like real addicts would actually talk about. A calendar, maybe. Like maybe they had gone five, maybe yeah. they had gone yeah. eight months without feeding, you know? Exactly. Just something like that. And they're like, hell yeah, we're doing this. But I think that's why at the end when she had to eat him, it was so tragic because they really fucking tried, man. They and, like. And that's fair. I'd like to believe. Yeah. They okay. really fucking tried. And that was why that was even more tragic at the end. You, and you know what? But, I, but you're right. They didn't show enough. I can't support that. With like f- evidence from the film per se, but I'd like to think that's what happened. And watch me read something and then be like, "Nah, that ain't what happened, man." You're <laughs> you know, fucking totally wrong. And and, and that's the thing <laughs> is to me, like that's the problem with no definitive narrative clearness with it. You know what I mean? Because if that really is the case, then I would actually backtrack some of my statements about how it was unclear with what it was. And it, if it mm. was any of these things that depicting them poorly, because then that would be a fairly realistic portrayal of addiction and dealing with addiction and the history of addiction and reasons for addiction and all of those things. Like that would be a very yeah. solid argument for that's what the, the, the movie's about. And it would clear up some of my issues with it. Mm-hmm. If they were a little bit more clean in like clear in that those final little scenes right before Sully got there, you know? Yeah. You just, you just got to know you don't like this interpreting guessing shit. Well, because, but, but, but I don't know. I like where we've landed though. Cause now Sully feels like an addictive person from your past coming in and kind of disrupted shit. Well, he's the hey, guy, he's the guy that know, showed you how to use heroin. Yep. And you got clean and he didn't and he resents you for it. So he wants to bring you back down Mm. and and he wants to bring you back down. And 
It yeah. feels like it fits, but it does. You know, I, I, Man, I, I Jackson, your version of this movie is way better. It's <laughs> than the one like, yeah, because it's so easy to like. They could just like you said, Justin, have like a little chalkboard, and, and instead of it saying clean for X number of days or whatever, just have it say new life and have a number with the you know days next to it. So all they're doing yeah. is just counting the number of days of their new life. Yeah. Yeah. A simple little thing like that, you know, because you could even do it without words. Just have one of them walk up to it, erase the number, write the new number, and you keep going. Then I think it is a more clear picture of what the yeah. theme of the, what the cannibalism thing. was a symbol of, what it was, the port, uh, the portrayal of it. And I think it's a better representation of it. Yeah. And the I thing mean, is is the problem with interpretations is I've got like six interpretations of it and I don't like any of them in this movie as is like, that's my problem with narrative uncertainty. I've got, yeah. so I guess my- that's why we're so different. Cause you don't like this. And I like love this shit. Cause Jackson in his so, mind is like, having, this is for I'm sure what so it was. so much fun right now. <laughs> like, Picking apart this movie, and you are having like no fun at all. And I just think that is the that right there is the difference between us. That's well, what well, was I tried th- to be explained earlier. Yeah. Well, the problem <laughs> is, is I've got six fucking different movies now in my head with it. You know what I mean? Like each like it can it symbolize so many different things, and it kind of flavors the movie differently depending on what they are. And so in my head, that's a mess. That's six yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah, you don't you don't like the space right now. Fuck for no. me, it's like, wow, <laughs> I got all these different. Well, and I got I think, all these interpretations of this painting. This is great, and you're like, eh, what does it mean? Damn it! What yeah, does it all I think, mean? <laughs> I think that like in some like I didn't think about what you said, Jason, regarding like why it was so tragic at the end when he when she ate him, because if if you're your interpretation is correct. And it was like, you know, we really tried and then this still had to happen. That kind of would fit because he would rather her have to eat him so that she doesn't have to do it to somebody else kind of thing. So it would make sense, but kind of like what you're saying, Sterling, it's like make that more clear so that we understand that better. And we appreciate more what you're trying to do with the story. And then, yeah, Honestly, though, that makes me hate their relationship a little more if it is about addiction, because then it's like he's going, I'm dying. So cremate my body, make it into a crack pipe and just start smoking crack again in my honor. Mm, yeah, that's fair, too. <laughs> so it, it makes the narrative story a little bit better, but makes their relationship a little worse. In that I regard. like Heather's. I like Heather's version of it. <laughs> or maybe just it's like one of those I don't like, like the crack pipe, man. <laughs> it's like, well, we don't need to get new drugs. We've already got existing drugs, so we're not we're not necessarily buying anymore. We're just using what we have, kind of thing. I don't know. It's like, hey, remember my emergency stash of meth? Yeah. Don't throw it away. Just do it in my honor. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really like what Heather said. I felt that, man, when she said, just eat, when, when she was like, just eat me. Like, and I thought about the scene and I thought about him, just eat me so you don't have to eat anybody else. Like, you got to eat me. I mean, the way you know? he said it to her, too, because she was like, no, I'm not going to eat you. And he's like, no, I, I want you to do it. I want you to feed. I want you to eat. And uh, yeah, I don't know. But again, it's just 
there was so much happening with all of it too. And you're just like, it it is one of those movies that even after all those things happen, you're still processing it. You're just kind of like, I need to, I need to sit with this movie to figure out what's going on here. I will say this, Justin, you pointed out something that I don't talk about much when you were talking about like, when you made the quick little comparison to like a painting, when, you know, like you could look at a painting and everybody could have a different interpretation. And there's a reason why I don't fucking like looking at paintings. <laughs> tell me what the picture is. <laughs> yeah, tell me what the... F- yeah. Fucking paint a picture of something. Don't make a mess and then say it's up to you. Fuck yeah. you. Paint something specific. Yeah, it's not that what hard. Is it? What is it, bitch? Abstract art is just a nightmare for me. Because they're like, you know, it's like all these different things and like everybody looks at it differently. Like, oh, you can see the pain of the artist. I'm like, it's fucking paint splashes. They didn't paint a goddamn thing. And somebody else it's like, I choose to believe this is hope in the painting. I'm like, yeah, everybody has a very different idea of what it is. But that explains so much about you and me, though. Like, now I understand why you're just like, man... Fuck these movies like this. Now I totally, now I understand. And that's why like you can watch something like this and be like, Jasta's going to like this because he likes his painting bullshit and I don't like it. See, like, don't get me wrong. I like going to museums, but I like going to like a science museum or a (laughs) nature museum. (laughs) Don't send me to a museum of fucking paintings. That is literally the ninth <laughs> circle of hell for me. Man. But like, that's why I can appreciate some painters. Cause like the Mona Lisa, at least I kind of get it. Cause it's a woman. Like I know what it is. Like that's a painting of a fucking woman. I get it. You paint a woman, you know? <laughs> so does this actually make me the wild card in this situation with like our <laughs> views Sometimes. all on movies? <laughs> Yes, the first time in my life that I'm the wild card. I'll take it. I mean, because yes. to me, like like I said, I don't like narrative uncertainty. Like to the like you can leave things open ended. You know, you can leave like the the ending of Inception, where the whole idea is like, is he still incepting or is he not? There are some like things like that that you can have, and I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Because it's like a little thing here and there. I don't like it when your whole story is up for interpretation. Because then to me, I'm like, did you write a story? Or did you write some scenes? And then, like I said, you use that as a cop-out. I think that that's maybe what it is. I view it as a cop-out. You didn't know what the fuck you were writing. So you just wrote some shit. And anytime somebody says something, you're like, yep, that's what I meant. And so you're never wrong. And you seem like a genius. But to me, I just, I feel like it's weak. There's so many writers out there that write a complete story. You know, I just, oh man. See, now I'm looking at it. Now I'm fired up again. And like, I'm hating this movie a little bit more. Because you're realizing the potential more. That like I because now with what Justin said, I see the potential for clarity. I see that it's there. They could have just done like two or three scenes different, and the story is clear. 
And that's what yeah. I think is making me matter at this point. Well, that's why I'm like, Jason's <laughs> version of this movie, I would have probably very much enjoyed. <laughs> like, he seems very clear on like what he thinks everything meant. And I'm like, if I had gotten that, I would like it as much as you too, Jason. And see, and now I'm looking at it as if it had a fucking chalkboard counting some fucking days, <laughs> the movie would have been infinitely better. And the fact that one scene with a chalkboard right. is missing ruins the movie for me, makes it me fucking more angry at it. Because <laughs> I do agree with you, Jeff. I really do. I think that that makes sense. It does. To me, that them that being their sober life, I 100% yeah. get that. And maybe part of my problem leading up to it while watching the movie was the fact that in my head, I'm distracted by six different movie storylines going on to that point. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking of how this all ties into different versions of the story and stuff like that. So I might've missed while in my initial watching of it, that that is what it was symbolizing. Because to me, it was symbolizing so many different things at the same time. And so I'm missing maybe the nuance of it. Yeah, that that's very possible. Um, and like I said, just the only reason why I arrived to that conclusion was just the whole thing. Let's just try to be humans and live. I, I just, th- that's the best interpretation I could make mm-hmm. based on that. But I, I will at least side with you that, yes, if you could have just had indicated that a lot of time had passed without eating, then that would have helped anybody who might've missed that. That's what we were doing. You know, I I do, I do agree that maybe you could have been just a hair more clear that they had gone X amount of time without eating people. Like you said, this was the sober period. I mean, I really do think it was, but yeah, I think, yeah. If if you could have had that piece, then it all makes sense. The, the the Sully at the end and what he's doing makes sense. The eating, the having to eat him tragically after y'all had made so much progress and then having to do it, but him sort of saying, eat me out of love so that you don't have to succumb to it, doing it to somebody else, because I know how much that would destroy you. So I'm giving you permission. I do have it. It works. One more question I have about Sully though. Like, am I right in that he, his whole thing was like, I don't kill people. I just wait for them to die. And then I eat him. That's at least what he had become. I don't think it's always been his thing. Well, cause my, my question on that is like, then why did he go after Lee's sister? That's lashing out. And that that's just like, I'm doing that because I'm angry at um, Marin, yeah. I guess. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I was just, I felt like that was out of nowhere for a minute. And I was well, like, wait, what? If the addiction theory is accurate and that's the sober period, it's, it's like we said, then he's the guy that's, did, you know, Roped like her I said, into you. like, yeah, like showed her the ways of doing, of doing yep. the addictive behavior. And then she it's, got mm-hmm. out of it and he's still stuck on it. And he has been stuck on it yeah. even longer than she was in it. You know, yeah. he's been doing this yeah. for decades. Yeah. So he's like, if if you're not going to play along with me, I will find somebody else. 
<laughs> yeah, like I want to bring you back into this. And, and I'm going to do that by so, going punishing. after the people you know and love. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. God, it makes so much sense. I like your version, Justin. I do. Justin's version would have gotten at least a 70 from me. I, honestly, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, I like how y'all are like your version. Yeah. Like it, 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 it could have possibly be that I just... <laughs> that I just nope. interpreted correctly and y'all didn't. It's got to nope. be my version. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the movie did not <laughs> succinctly show me that that's what We didn't watch the have. same movie, Jasmine. We did not watch the same movie. That's one version of this movie. I've got five others competing with you, Justin. <laughs> we really should do another episode where we like take a movie and make it better. <laughs> this is a prime <laughs> example of that. What movie did we do that with recently that I was just like, fuck, that made it all better. I don't remember. Anyway. Mm, yeah, it was recently, though. Yeah. Um, was it Don't Worry, Darling? No. I don't I know if anything could have saved that flaming pile of shit. <laughs> Maybe Smile. I don't know. It was one of those. But yeah. But I mean, I just... Like you said, Justin, you did clarify some shit for me, but at the same time, make me more mad. <laughs> and that I guess that's something that I haven't even, I, I don't want to say admitted to myself, but never really just thought of like, like you ended up saying something that put words to how I felt like for so long. Like I said, with the whole idea of paintings and like museums with paintings and all that shit, like I've just never liked yeah. them, but then I've also never cared enough to really go. Will Sterling, why do you not like them? Until you said that whole thing when you were like, it's like paintings. And I was like, that is why. Is it's like <laughs> paintings. And that's why yeah. I don't like paintings. And it just goes back to there's an episode of Boy Meets World where they're at a museum. And, you know, Mr. Matthews asks Eric what he thinks this, this statue is about. And he's like, it's about, you know, a father monkey and two, you know, son monkeys. And he just doesn't have enough bananas for either uh, for both his sons. And there's the conflict of that. And the dad was like, oh, I thought it was just a statue. And they're like, see, Eric doesn't really know what he's talking about. And then it goes to the little sign of the name of it. And it's all father monkey with bananas or something. And it like turns out he's <laughs> right. And it's like a fucking statue of like a triangle with like a sphere and like two rectangular prisms. Yeah, and it's real a bunch of random ass shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, I like how we were like complimenting Justin on like saying your version's better, and he's like, "Uh, no, you guys are dumb. This is just what the movie was." <laughs> that's not what you said, Justin. I'm just kidding, but I just thought that was funny that you're like, "No, no, you, that's just you, what you, I got you from you it." Condescended. You condescendingly said, "Oh, your version, Justin." Then I countered with some condescension <laughs> of my own. Is exactly what happened. I, that was. That was no <laughs> condescension. That was full on, legit. I liked your version of it, Justin. And I'll argue that that's not the fucking movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this was fun. I like this episode. This episode ended up better than I thought it was going to be. Same. I was like, mm, I don't know how much we're going to have to say different from each other, but a lot, apparently. Oh, it I didn't knew. start that way, but it got fun towards it did. the end. 
We did some self-analysis up in here. I like it. it. This was a groundbreaking, eye-opening episode. Sterling's a new man now. Yet I still fucking hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Self-reflection is a check. Movie Movie is still a (laughs) no-go. We just put words to one of our major differences in taste and film is what the breakthrough was. Not, it didn't impact how you liked the the movie. How you felt about the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Any other thoughts, guys? None. I'm out of thoughts. (laughs) I've got so many. But I've said them, but they're just still there. That's my point is they're still there. They're just um, roaming around so, in there. So on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers podcast. Twitter and Instagram, we're Cinema underscore Slayers. Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Uh, on the YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the like button, hit the little bell notification, all that typical-ass YouTube bullshit. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love... Um, Timothy Chalamet? That's creepy. I don't know what else to say here. I don't know what they... They love... Um... I don't know. Drug addiction. That was Drug the correct is- answer. <laughs> I was Mother's hoping, love- I was really That's hoping you were going to say cannibals. I was really hoping Mother's you were going to jokingly say they love cannibals. Fine young cannibals. Nailed it. <laughs> oh, man. And most of all, just remember here at Cinema Slayers, we are pro slut and pro Sydney. And as I always end the YouTube videos, the TikToks and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. I should have said they love Sully. That would have also been creepy. Oh, no. Yeah. No one loves Sully. That's the problem. <laughs> no one loves Sully. <laughs> That's true. It's the opposite of true, yeah. See, oh, I totally forgot to bring a, one creepy aspect of this movie up. For some weird reason, they, they want to bring up this young girl's age so much early in the movie. Like, they have the scene when she's trying to get the bus oh, yeah. ticket, and they're like, you're not even old enough. And she's like, I'm 18, and pulls out the birth certificate. And then later in the movie, they're like, you look young. You look 16. And she's like, I'm 18. And he's like, you look younger. Yeah. They're weirdly obsessed with that for about, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Which I actually yeah. would have preferred that line to be cut out because, have like, them falling in love. And he's like, oh, I thought you were younger than 18. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. They should have just left it out. Like they, they could have had the scene at the bus station fine. Cause that's not like a creepy version of, wait, how old are you? That's like a, hey, are you legally able to do this? Yeah. Yeah. That's an understandable yeah. age check. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it just gets creepy. I don't know. Maybe it's just the day and age we live in now where it's yeah. just automatically creepy anytime a guy goes, <laughs> How old are you? How old are you? 18, you look younger. Right. Yeah. And I did confirm. (laughs) I did confirm this is apparently said in the 80s. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, a different sign of the times. She just thought it was reasonable to just put that wad of cash 
right up on the dashboard in a car with all the windows down and he's oh, asleep. Yeah. And <laughs> he just goes, that. this is a safe spot. So weird. Just a different, different day and age. Right. I don't even leave my sunglasses up on the, on, on my truck with, you know, all the doors locked. <laughs> well, you can't yeah. trust anyone. And my sunglasses are $15. <laughs> like, it's not even like it's an expensive set of sunglasses. <laughs> I get cheap ass <laughs> aviators off of Amazon for 15 bucks. <laughs> if I spend more than $17 on shades, I feel like I'm getting ripped off at this point. I wish I felt that way about watches. I've gotten into this stupid addiction to buying watches lately. Like it's fucking oh, really? dumb, dude. I've got an Amazon wish list right now of probably like 45 watches <laughs> that I want. Wow. Like I just bought a watch case. I've just been like buying watches, like looking at different things and stuff like that. Like I'm to the point now where I'm like, okay, if it's a leather band, I want it to have a deployment clasp. I'm like getting that specific with shit. <laughs> like, you fuck? should have related this to the addiction aspect of this movie. <laughs> no, because my addiction to buying watches is nowhere near as weird as this movie was with it. Fair. But fair point. Dude, I've just been buying watches and I'm like, I need to slow the fuck down because watches get expensive. I've got one watch in my wish list that's $7,500. And that's the low end of some luxury watches. Rolex is easily a 12 to 15 grand if you're wanting to be cheap about it. <laughs> Man. It's stupid. Anyway, I'm out. 